Friends and listeners, I welcome you to the seventh episode of our weekly STEM chat. I'm feeling a youthful vibe today as we have, for our guest, a young but determined advocate taking on the cause of gender inclusivity in technology. It is my great pleasure to welcome a 2019 Global Teen Leader, ladies and gentlemen, Miss Audrey Pei. All right, Audrey, I'm very excited to host you today. Um, you know, a few weeks back when I heard you talk at the Woman Power and the uh, Woman in STEM virtual conference, I, you know, I was like, I have to have this woman on the show because I was totally inspired by your story. So officially, welcome to the STEM cast. Thank you so much, Latifa. It's really an honor to be here today. Fantastic. Well, Here's the thing, the first encounter, you know, when we first come across you, um, you know, behind, let's say your wholesome, admirable profile we see in various social media platforms. And I'm curious, how do your friends describe you? That's a really great question. So my friends that know me like apart from WeTech and apart from like what I put out online know me as somebody that's really, really bubbly and optimistic about the future. And I guess that also permeates into my kind of online presence as well. I had my mom describe me one time because I was writing an essay <laughs> for college about how people would describe me. And she said that I... I'm somebody that is excited for each day. And I think that still holds true up until this point, even though I'm out of high school already, because I wake up each day with this really unashamed like kind of excitement about the future. Maybe it's because the work that I do is inherently something that an optimist does, like a lot of community building, a lot of working towards breaking down barriers for different marginalized groups. So definitely like optimistic, bubbly, and energetic are the words that I've heard a lot of. <laughs> Nice, nice. I can totally hear the bubbliness in your voice. I mean, yeah, I, I, can, I can believe that. <laughs> <laughs> so take me back to your childhood. What was that like? And do you recall your first encounter with a gadget? My childhood, so for, for context, for those of you listening that don't really know my story yet, my name is Audrey and I'm from the Philippines. So I was born and raised in Manila, Philippines, the capital. And for as long as I can remember, I think I've had that privilege of having some sort of technology on hand. Maybe it's because I'm Gen Z and I was born in 2001, but I can remember whether it's in the DVDs that my parents used to play for us to listen to together or in the TV shows I'd watch growing up. Like there was some form of technology that always existed in my life. But the first time that I took really this kind of ownership over it was when I was in middle school and I encountered coding through a game that my teacher decided to have the class play. And that was the first time in my life that I really realized, wow, like technology is something that's exciting, that's innovative and something that I could potentially be a part of. Beautiful. So I want to dive a little bit deeper on that front, you know, because you were just 15 years old when you decided to establish a nonprofit, you know, Women in Technology. Can you give us the backstory on that? Like, how did it come about? No problem, no problem. So WeTech really was born out of 
me personally not experiencing that much support in entering technology from my peers and from my community back home in the Philippines. In middle school, we had this computer class that I didn't make much of because it's a, it's a nationally mandated computer class that all Philippine schools have to take. And this class has basically tutorials about how to use Microsoft Office, so like Word, PowerPoint, Excel. And I didn't make much of a career in tech until as I mentioned earlier, my teacher went off curriculum and introduced my class to this game where a snake had to navigate a maze using blocks that represented lines of code. That immediately catalyzed my interest in technology because I connected the dots in the sense that I finally realized that the apps and websites that I had grown up with and depended on on a pretty regular basis were made using code and that I too could learn like this mysterious language of computers. Fast forward to my first year of high school, I had been gearing up on tech tutorials, I'd been doing all these free lessons online via sites like Codecademy, Code.org, and I developed this bit of confidence to start telling my peers and my teachers that I wanted to go into tech. But unfortunately, in my entire ninth grade class, I was the only girl that wanted to go into technology. And I was one of two girls that wanted to go into STEM, the other wanting to be a doctor. So very different from my aspirations in technology. Following that revelation, I was told by a teacher that I wasn't a good fit for tech. And I kind of agreed with that statement, even though it really hit me hard in the gut. Because when I thought of the role models and the kind of pioneers of the tech industry, I couldn't think of anyone else except middle-aged uh, white men. So I sought to really diversify this stereotype of a person in the tech industry. And that began really with educating myself. So I took to Google and I quite literally looked up women in tech and I discovered the gender gap that I'm pretty sure all of your listeners are familiar with locally and internationally. But on a local scale in the Philippines, only 18% of startups I read were founded by women. and Different reports about the gender gap around the world really prompted me to do something about it. I, up until now, I'm very, very stubborn. And just because the field of tech seemed to ha have presented an image of a woman being underpaid and underrepresented, like, instead of getting really intimidated by those statistics, which I think could have been easily which I could have easily been at the time, I was 14 or 15 reading those stats, I instead got really, really angry. And I asked myself, like, why is it that 50% of the population isn't being made to feel capable and confident in the tech industry, this industry that is being heralded as the future? And that was when I decided that I really needed to do something. And I launched the WeTech blog in 2016 to really curate the stories of the different women in tech that I had researched on and networked with via platforms like LinkedIn and Instagram. And that slowly through the coming years transformed into a fully formed nonprofit that aims to educate, inspire, and empower youth to break gender barriers in tech and use tech as a whole to make a difference. You know, what's, what's most striking about this is the root of that which you also tackle, you know, which is the lack of access to computer science exposure in primary school, um, you know, maybe, maybe even up to high school. So how is WeTech, you know, how is your NGO currently helping address that inadequacy? 
That is a really good point because with VTEC, we are very intersectional in the sense that we do not just focus on the gender gap in technology, we focus on the tech access gap that exists in many developing countries like the Philippines. After some time, while we were doing the WeTech blog and we hosted the first Women in Tech conference for students and by students in the Philippines, we noticed that most of our participants came from middle to upper class backgrounds and that they could engage with technology because of the resources that they had at home, much similar to I um, was able to when I was younger. So that idea, how can we bring technology to everyone, regardless of their socioeconomic status, brought about the Women in Tech Teach program, in which we go to different marginalized communities, communities that have barely any knowledge about technology, and we teach CS workshops, Microsoft Office tutorials, very basic tech for education workshops to these different communities, specifically schools and students, and sometimes even teachers. So as of this year, we've taught over 100 students how to code for the first time. But I think more than just going and teaching these tutorials, we also try to foster a sense of career planning as well with these students. We try to tell them about the potential applications of technology, not just on their day-to-day -day lives, but in their futures. So we also have room in our modules for talking about careers in STEM. So these are very much, or all of these projects that we do with our Women in Tech Teach program, with our Women in Tech conference, they're all geared towards really building a world where all youth, regardless of their gender or socioeconomic status, have access to tech and the potential use it for social good because we believe that when tech is as diverse and as democratized as possible that's where the real real innovation real difference lies hey i'm a believer <laughs> you know <laughs> I, I i believe what is it that you're doing and it's so important to be able to do this kind of work um and 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 really kind of collaborate with others that are doing the same thing because it's you know as much as you can try and do it on your own, you still need the support of other, you know, organizations, et cetera, that have the same mission that are trying to do the same thing that you're doing to be able to really make a, you know, a bigger impact, I should say. So how about sharing some, you know, experiences or encounters that uh, you were probably, you know, let's say impressed with when, um, whether it's with regards to you know, promoting women's engagement in technology, have you had any kind of experiences and encounters that impressed you personally? So many stories. And I think that's one thing that really, or those are the things that really keep me going throughout this journey, running a nonprofit, being a full-time student. I think these are the types of stories or the stories are really what, what fuels me to do this kind of work every day. And one of the stories that I hold very close to my heart is when we, my team and I went to Marawi back in 2018 for the first Women in Tech Teach program. And Marawi is in the southern part of the Philippines that was bombed in, it's an area that was bombed in 2017 due to suspected terrorists. And essentially lots of the students from that area were living in evacuation centers. Their schooling had been halted up to six plus months. And it was overall, an area that was very much left behind by a lot of the tech development, a lot of the innovation that currently lies in a lot of the populous cities in the Philippines. When I had heard that 
a nonprofit I'd worked with in the past was going to bring books and toys to Marawi, I kind of jumped at the chance to interview a potential um, or to interview a teacher from Marawi. And I learned about how massive the gender gap is in the area. But that didn't prepare me at all for actually going to the area and interacting with the students firsthand and finding out that in the class of 37 students that we started our Women in Tech Teach program with, only one had ever heard of programming before. So just the word programming or coding, like none of them had ever heard those terms before. And when we asked the student that raised his hand, like, oh, what, what is coding or programming to you? He said that to him, like, it's just that thing where you type really fast. And while it's something that when I share this story with other people, they kind of chuckle or think like, oh yeah, like that's such like, that's such a stereotype. It's a pretty sobering thought to think that that mm -hmm. was the highest extent of knowledge about technology in that community. So that, that story really drives me to keep going, especially with these We Teach programs, because it breaks my heart to really think about the number of Filipino youth that don't get these promising careers in technology simply because of a lack of resources in order to do so. And that is a story that really fuels me every single day in terms of what we do in, with VTech in closing the digital divide. But I think on the other side of things, in terms of closing the gender gap in tech, another story that I really love sharing and that I can't help but tear up whenever I, I think about it is when a participant, the youngest participant actually of our Women in Tech conference back in 2018 and 2019, she had her mom message me on Facebook because she was so young, she didn't have a Facebook account yet after the conference. And she apparently wanted to interview me for her school essay. And when I asked what the prompt was, the prompt was to interview somebody that you really look up to. And that honestly made me cry um, because in, throughout this entire journey with VTech, I never thought that my journey in itself would be something that would inspire other people. I always thought that it was about giving like these women in tech a platform, bringing technology to these students. And I thought that I was just kind of like the bridge um, for these resources. but. The, to see that young girls like Mona, the girl that interviewed me, really resonated with my story to the point where they said that they wanted to have similar journeys. Like that makes me feel so, so warm and so, so happy. And those are just two stories that I bring with me into everything that I do. Well, thanks for sharing. I mean, those are really beautiful stories. And I think it's important to, to have that top of mind, you know, because I'm sure that, you know, you probably relate and that not all these are you know, you don't, you don't wake up every single day completely motivated, but sometimes when you have those stories, you know your why and you can tap into those, you know, on, on the hard days and say, this is exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing. So on that, you know, I'm just building on what you've said, how would you then explain coding to, you know, to an individual on the street, uh, particularly, per, particularly those that think that technology is just for the rich and smart kids? Yeah, really, really interesting question. So I have experienced actually having to explain the concept of coding, the concept of programming to people with like zero knowledge about technology or zero knowledge about it. And the way that I usually explain it is that, have you ever wondered how the apps 
that you use on a day-to-day basis. Because in the Philippines, usually, the example I, I, I go with is, oh, who here has Facebook? And in a room, like, nearly everybody will raise their hand. And I think even in the Philippines, regardless of your socioeconomic strand, like, you would likely have a Facebook account because I think we're one of the highest number of users in the world. So I'd say, like, have you ever wondered how Facebook works? how it communicates information from one person to the next. And I usually say that at its core, or like the building blocks of platforms like Facebook, at the core of those things is code. And it's really the language of computers and it's really the ability, or programming is really the ability for you to give instructions to a computer to create something, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or something entirely different. And when you learn that language of computers, you have that kind of creativity and that freedom to make and innovate, regardless of, I think, or create or innovate like anything that you set your mind to. So that was how, that or is how I'd explain programming to just about anyone. So really just connecting it to real world applications, because otherwise, you know, I, I think it would just be completely besides the point. They would like they wouldn't they wouldn't get it. But if, you know, like you just said, you know, just really making it super relatable and personal. So, oh, you know, I, I use these applications every single day. I understand what you mean. Uh, similar to what you touched on earlier, you know, about your experience at school with, you know, with um, computer class and having your teacher really get out of the, you know, uh, let's say out of the books, right? And do something that was different that you felt, oh, it's actually relatable. I can, I can relate to this, you know? And they got you interested in coding to start with. That's, that's interesting. So as a digital dweller, uh, what would you have to say about the need to develop human skills or let's say soft skills alongside uh, technical expertise? The balance between technical and soft skills is so, so important. And I really think it's something that's not discussed enough in terms of the tech scene, or at least the tech scene back home in the Philippines. Like there are so many incredibly talented programmers, creators, innovators out there. But I don't think that there are enough people that understand the human element, the human side of things that really hold the technology that they create accountable to the ethics, to the to how it impacts our society. And this really honestly relates with what I'm going to study at university because my intended course is science, technology, and society. And some of the classes that I plan on taking really deal with holding developers and holding big tech companies accountable for what they create and how what they create impacts our day-to-day lives. So when it comes to hard skills, like technical skills and soft skills, it's important for us to remember that there are always going to be consequences for what we create. And when we practice soft skills, when we develop skills like communication, like presentation skills, I think then developers that are just anybody that is a creator will be able to be not just more accountable, but be able to communicate and really work on different improvements for what they create because of their ability to, to really talk to and like pitch in front of other people, if that makes sense. So it's really about a balance. And I think that while it's really, really important to better your technical skills, do those tutorials, do those classes, I think it's equally as important to make sure that you're never missing out on the human element of things because what good is innovation if it's done in isolation? 
very well said. And, you know, if I were to add to that, I would say, uh, you know, today we're living in a world where, you know, it's technologically very advanced. We can expect the same in the next few years as well. And really, we really need to kind of redefine what it means to be human in this age. And so what we bring to the table are things that, you know, machines don't bring to the table and can't ever bring to the table. I, you know, I would, agree, I would argue, uh, you know, creativity, imagination, um, emotional intelligence, things of that nature that really make us who we are. Um, and so when you touched on the balance, I think absolutely um, very, very much needed. And, and I'm glad you touched on that, actually. So it's, it's a very interesting field of study that you're, you're looking to get into. And I think there's never been a more important time to, to talk about the impact of science technology on society. So uh, I wish you good luck with that. Have you started yet or you're, you're on your way? Not yet, not yet. So I start my first year of university officially next month. So I'm very excited about that. But what's great, I think, about the Stanford curriculum is that even though I intend on taking classes in SDS or Science, Tech, and Society for short, I'm free to explore in other realms. And I really plan on doing that in terms of classes in education, psychology, CS. So very exciting times ahead. It sounds like it. And what's amazing is that, you know, you didn't box yourself into just, you know, I'm just going to stick the tech. Um, I, I think that's just really amazing because that's where growth happens, you know, when you intersect all these different disciplines around you. So I'm very excited for you. I, I think it's going to be really phenomenal. Oh, thank you so much. I'm excited as well. And I will definitely keep everybody posted on how it goes online. Fantastic. Well, you know, I can't wait to follow your journey. So before I transition to, you know, to school life and you being a full-time student, you know, as well as running your, uh, your uh, nonprofit, I wanted to ask about, you know, again, you know, just digging into some research. I understand that your parents are in the banking industry, correct? Yes, they are both retired bankers. Yeah. So where does this passion for advocacy come from? I really love this question because I often get asked by people like, oh, so your parents work in tech or STEM, right? Because you're really into that. And I have to tell them, oh, no, like my parents both studied like business management at university. So when I told them after that, like faithful faithful computer class i when i told them that i was developing this interest in technology they were nothing but supportive and that's something that i really appreciate because growing up i was raised to believe that i could do absolutely anything that i wanted to regardless of the gender stereotypes that came with specific careers and that kind of mindset that kind of kind of upbringing was really pivotal i think in not just encouraging me to pursue tech despite it being very male dominated but also in supporting me to start WeTech as back home in the Philippines in 2016 there were very very few nonprofits that were founded by teenagers so for my parents to really just embrace all these ideas that I had with like open arms and for me to just go up to them and tell them, oh, I want to start a nonprofit and for them to go, okay, what are your steps? Instead of saying to me like, oh, you're crazy. I think that was something that was really helpful because mindset and definitely upbringing are two things that I am so, so grateful for from my mom and dad. I applaud them 
for for really kind of creating the environment for you to be able to thrive. There's so much to be said about parenting and, and you know just making sure that parents actually empower their children from an early age and it really seems that uh, you know you're the perfect story for that because like you said you know they were there to, to empower you even when you decided to embark on something that you didn't necessarily you know know where to start or you know didn't have any experience in and yet they said you know jump go do it and I think we need more parents like that that actually empower children to take a little bit of risks because uh, otherwise you know you find a lot of parents are you know or what they would call like helicopter parents, you know, they, they're too fearful. They don't want their kids to try different things uh, just in fear that, you know, that they're going to fail. I feel like that's not going to serve them well in life. And um, if their parents, if parents are basically, you know, trying to, um, I guess, you know, put a safety net on their children. Right. So I'm, I'm just, like this, there's a lesson there to all the parents listening in to make sure that they, you know, not just believe in their children, but really set them up for success by empowering them to take risks. So that's, that's wonderful that your parents were able to do that for you. So I wanted to segue a little bit into, you know, your, your full-time students. So I want to segue a little bit into that and you know, maybe if you could share some personal learning habits with us. So, you know, I assume it's not easy to be able to run both, an, you know, an NGO full-time and also be a full-time student. So I'm sure you have some really, I guess, disciplined learning habits. Mind talking to us a little bit about that? I would love to. I think it's really important to also preface this by saying that I started Tech in my 10th grade and I... Also, after pursuing, after doing that, I pursued the IB, International Baccalaureate Program, which is this very regular, rigorous pre-college diploma program that has basically students take college-level classes, three college-level classes and three standard-level classes. So I did not take it easy in terms of my academic load during my last two years of high school. And after that, I ended up doing a gap year and now I'm an incoming college student. So now that we've like established <laughs> the context, I'd have to say that there is no, I think, perfect formula for time management. And that's something that I'm still working on every single day. But what I learned very early on with, with WeTech, with this nonprofit work, with full load of academics is that if you are pursuing a nonprofit or pursuing an advocacy outside of school, it's very important that you have to be very, very passionate about it. You have to have really good intentions and you shouldn't be doing it for the college application or for the resume or CV. At the end of the day, I think there were so many moments where I just break down and cry at the, at the end of the day because of how exhausted I was. But it never occurred to me to stop or to quit WeTech because of how passionate and how much I am invested in this advocacy. More kind of technical tips that I have in terms of time management and productivity would be to just note everything down on the Google Calendar or a physical planner because it's really important to just have everything 
either digitally or on paper. You can't trust yourself to remember every single thing um, about your day unless like you write it down or you note it down. So that's something that's really saved me over the years. Uh, another really great thing that I've been doing since WeTech really kicked off was to have to-do lists at the beginning of each day. So I love to start each day by sitting down, writing down my goals for the day and just planning things out based on the time that I have um, for the day ahead. And it's really important to also take a breather and to just really think about not just the career or work goals that you want to accomplish at the beginning of each day, but also kind of the self-care goals that you have for that day. And by self-care, I don't necessarily mean like face masks and like um, painting your nails, but it can be really simple things like just taking naps, like going on runs or home workouts or just maybe some meditation for the day. So really balancing work goals and self-care goals, I think is something that really kept me sane because I was able to not just focus on WeTech goals throughout these past couple of years, but also like fitness goals. Because I think that with a lot of us young activists and entrepreneurs, there's this tendency to really throw ourselves into our work. But if we get burnt out, like that ultimately doesn't just damage our productivity in the long run, but the productivity of the movements that we're part of as well. So those are really my tips. Love it. Love it. So if you could invent something or, you know, whatever it is, like whether it's a product or a service, what would it be? Ooh, that's a really interesting question. I think that if I were to develop a product or service, it probably would be something that could help with, it would probably be a productivity platform. Like I really, I don't know if this already exists, but I'd love to see different um, social media apps being put there are all these chats for social media and emails being put into one uh one app so i say this because i'm always jumping around from like whatsapp to discord the facebook messenger to my gmail to my outlook mail and those are just so many chaotic tabs so if anybody has a recommendation or knows of a way to like combine all of those platforms into a single like interface that would be really really helpful who knows? You might just have to start it, you know, if it doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Let's see. Yeah. All right. So imagine yourself, you know, 10 years from now. Where do you think you'd be? And what kind of social impact do you envision achieving? 10 years from now. Wow. So this is something that I've had to actually ponder on already because of college applications and particularly in the United States, they ask you a lot about what you want to do post-graduation or should you attend this school? What do you want to do with a degree here? And in all honesty, I don't know specifically what kind of job I want to be working, what kind of title I want to have, what kind of, or what country I'll be working in specifically for that matter. matter. But what I do know is that I want to continue to work towards making education, specifically tech education, accessible for everybody, regardless of their background and their gender. That's something that guides me every day, that principle of equality, accessibility, and technology. 
those things are what I've been working towards throughout high school and what I will work towards throughout college. And whether it's learning and going to different countries to learn about their tech education systems, whether it's working at a big tech company for a bit and then learning about their initiatives in promoting computer science in different communities. I think overall, I just want to be bringing my impact back to those marginalized communities that lack the different resources, the different connections to tech that many more developed countries have. And of course, I also want to anchor myself in where I grew up in, the Philippines, and continue to talk about the digital divide that exists there and in many other of the neighboring countries. Because if we don't talk about that, and if we don't make sure that all youth from different parts of the country get that access to tech, then we're really going to be left behind in terms of tech scenes and startup communities. So that's, those are kind of my aspirations. It can definitely change. Let's see. Um, I'm still 19 years old, but definitely building a better future using technology and making sure that it's more accessible to everybody. Like that's at the core of what I'll do. Nice. I want to move back a little bit to, you mentioned that you took a gap year. We have a lot of you know, youth listening into this podcast, so I want to touch on that a little bit, if we can. Uh, what has been the inspiration uh, you know, behind the gap year, and how did, you, how did you use it? I'd love to talk about my gap year, yeah. So with WeTech, I was very, very much living a double life in high school in that I was doing academics, IB program, and then I, after class, would hop on to an event, give a talk, go on team meetings, that sort of thing. And it came to a point where in my senior year of high school, my parents told me that if I kept going at this rate, I was going to get burnt out. And that if I went straight to university, I would not be able to give my best effort to school. And they wanted me to be giving my best effort to school and to WeTech. So they said they were actually the ones that, that planted the idea of going on the gap year in my head. And once they planted that idea, I researched on it more. I put my plans down on the Google document. And I realized that in the long run, if I really wanted to give my 110% to Stanford, I needed to first give my 110% to WeTech for a year to get it to the best of its ability to get the leadership in order so that when I left the Philippines, I would now like focus on operations internationally and have a really solid team back home that would run operations to the best of their ability. So that was really the pioneering decision for going on a gap year. I know that a lot of people have different reasons for going on theirs, but mine was really to pursue advocacy and to make sure that I wouldn't, you know, regret if I went straight ahead to college and was would be, be conflicted and I'd have like one foot through the college experience and one foot back home trying to figure out how to balance everything, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Very wise. And so looking back now, what would you say is the biggest leadership takeaway that you took away from you know, building your NGO, making sure that it's running smoothly, even now that you're, no, you're, you're in the States and, you know, you have your core team and back in the Philippines, you've expanded internationally. What has been the biggest leadership takeaway from, you know, years of building your NGO? As a self-professed perfectionist and really like type A person, it, it was very hard for me to let go of this idea of a set path. 
I love planning. I love noting everything down on my Google calendar and creating to-do lists at the beginning of each day. But throughout this journey of leading a nonprofit, of starting one from nothing, I have learned that there isn't and you cannot plan everything ahead. You can add goals, you can create checkpoints, but at the end of the day, like there is no fully predicting where your advocacy and where your the things that you create will go. I say this because back in 2016, I never thought that WeTech was going to turn into anything more than a blog that featured the stories of women in tech. But we adapted to these kind of demands or to these problems in our communities, like the lack of a women in tech conference for students, like the lack of learning opportunities for students in low income areas. And I'm so glad that we didn't actually stick to the plan of staying as a blog because we wouldn't have been able to create the impact that we have now if I didn't want to deviate from the plan. So being really open to adapting, to starting new ideas, to going a bit off track, like that's completely fine. And that's something that I've, I've learned throughout the four years, these crazy four years with VTech and I wouldn't have it any other way. That's amazing. And by the way, adaptability is, is a super skill today, you know, <laughs> like look up um, reports from, you know, the World Economic Forum. Adaptability is a super important skill set that everyone's looking for. So being able to learn that, you know, in your four years of building WeTech, that's, that's really amazing, preparing you very well for the future. I mean, if anything, we need to be super adaptable. I think COVID really uh, showed us that. So we're gonna play a little game. Are you ready? Yes, I am excited. <laughs> awesome. So what we're gonna do is you, you're just gonna have to finish the following sentences. Sound simple? Sound good? Oh, sorry, what was that? Sounds good? Should I get oh, started? Yes, yes. Sounds great. Awesome. Sounds great. So the skills needed for future jobs are the skills needed for future jobs are versatility and creativity. I am most hopeful about I am most hopeful about the power of Gen Z to change the world. Nice. My understanding of STEM education is? My understanding of STEM education is making sure that future generations, present and future generations, have the resources that they need to build a better world. Would you say that's also your STEM mission? Quite similar, but I think I'd tweak it. I'd say that my STEM mission is to make sure that anyone, regardless of which part of the world they're from, can feel capable and confident of engaging with STEM and using it to change lives of others. Nice. My biggest role model is? My biggest role model is Michelle Obama. So now that we're 
you know, towards the end of the podcast, would you like to share with our lis listeners any projects you're currently working on that's getting you excited? I'd love to. So with VTech, we currently have 14 plus chapters around the world. So we have mostly our chapters in the Philippines, but we also have operations in Kenya, Liberia, India, United States, California, mainly California and New York City. And we are growing. We just opened our Vietnam chapter actually last week. So really exciting things going on. If you'd like to be a part of the VTech community and start an own chap your own chapter or join any of the chapters that I mentioned or check if your community has a chapter, you can email chapters at vtech.org or info at vtech.org to get involved. You can also DM me on Instagram or Twitter at Audrey, I-S-A-V-E-L-P if you want to have, ask me any questions or just keep in touch. Nice, nice, nice. So any words of advice for, you know, high schoolers, college students, teachers listening to us right now? My overall parting advice would be to really let go of this idea that you need to wait until the perfect time, quote unquote, perfect time to start something or to engage with a certain advocacy. I think that's something that almost prevented me from beginning WeTech in the first place was this idea that, oh, I'm not prepared enough to launch a nonprofit. I'm not experienced enough to do all of these things at 15. And when I let go of that mindset and just said, okay, like I'm never going to know how great this can be unless I try, like that was where the beauty I think in launching WeTech really lay ahead. It's really key for us as well, and especially to the youth listening to this podcast, it's really key for us to remember to not fall as well into this culture of comparison that permeates a lot of our societies. Social media has made it so easy for us to just compare our stories and ourselves on a surface level to other people. And I urge you all to, instead of comparing yourself to another person, ask yourself, and challenge yourself to be better than who you were the day before. And that sounds so cheesy, but I swear, when you start having kind of like blinders and just start focusing on yourself and being better, doing better, like that is, I think, where the real growth really lies. Very well said. Very, very well said. I literally have a, you know, a wristband that I wear every single day that says beat yesterday because really the only competition is, you know, being better than who you were, what, what you were yesterday. Um, love that. Love that. So mind sharing with our listeners how they can best get in touch with you. No problem. So to get in touch with me, you can DM me on Twitter or Instagram at Audrey. So that's A-U-D-R-E-Y-I-S-A-B-E-L-P-E. -E -E. So Audrey Savelpe on Instagram or Twitter or at WeTechOrg. So that's W-I-Tech.org. And you can also email me, Audrey, at vtech.org for any questions or if you just want to keep in touch. So thank you again for having me, Latifa. It has been an absolute pleasure, Audrey. I mean, you did not fail to impress, as I expected. Uh, super impressed with everything that you've done thus far. And, you know, we wish you all the best with your studies, you know, starting in September. So good luck with that. And I'm sure that, you know, your, you know, your, your NGO is going to continue to grow. Keep doing what you're doing. We're very proud of you. And, you know, I believe in your mission personally as, you know, as a woman uh, in STEM. So keep at it. And like we say, onwards and upwards.
Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a fun and creative podcast. I love the question. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you enjoyed the STEMcast podcast, be sure to subscribe on Google Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Until next time.